Welcome to True North Strong, a sports performance podcast, and I'm your host, Jay Malhado. Join me as I chat with some of the top sports performance practitioners from far and wide and discuss from a uniquely Canadian perspective all things sport and human performance. My goal is that within these conversations, we will uncover the through lines that connect us all. Welcome everyone to True North Strong, a sports performance podcast. I'm really excited to chat with my guest, Larry Hunter, who is a strength coach at McGill University in, in Montreal, as well as a, a trainer at Club Sportif MAA, uh, as well in Montreal and at Heritage uh, Regional High School. So a lot of different hats. Um, I'm excited to, to kind of get to know Larry a little bit more. Um, we know each other quite a bit, but some of these uh, rapid fire questions, I don't know the answer to. So I'm excited to, to learn a little bit more about you outside of the weight room. So um, if you could just let us know kind of what your path was like to get to McGill and, and Heritage and, and where you are now and, and what that's looked like for you. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, Jay, thanks for thanks for having me on. You know, I mean, I think this is probably this idea has been cooking in your brain for a while, and to see it finally come to fruition and to be a part of it is is pretty cool. Um, my path, oh man, it's like where do I start? You know, this wasn't my path. It's funny, this it it, it wasn't my initial path. I have a degree in communications from Concordia University. And coming out of university, I actually was uh, working in the television field as a video editor. But, you know, I've, I've played sports my whole life. I mean, my mom threw me into martial arts when I was four years old. And from there, I just gravitated towards sports. So sports has always been a big part of my life. And training has, as I got older and got introduced to weight training, you know, I fell in love with it and really enjoyed the process of building up the body, getting the body stronger and just always wanted to learn more. But yeah, this wasn't my initial path. It was kind of like a, it was like a sideline. You know, I was working in the TV industry. I had some friends that played in the, in the CFL. And I used to go and train with them all the time. And, you know, thankfully, because I, I stayed athletic my whole life, I was able to keep up with them and train with them. And, you know, I just enjoyed being in the gym. So I started toying around with the idea of, you know, maybe be being a trainer on the side, aside from my full-time job. So decided to get my, my baseline papers with, with Ken Fit, just as a personal training specialist. And, you know, started the gym that I would train in with my football friends, asked the, asked the director of the personal training department, you know, if he'd be interested in taking me on. Um, and he said, you know, get your papers and, you know, you can start working here for sure. You know, everybody, everybody knows you. We have a good rapport with you and we think you'd be a great addition to the staff. So started working as a personal trainer, part time, few clients here and there enjoyed it. It definitely scratched an itch, so to speak. You know, it, it allowed me to see what, what that whole world was like. And the more I was around it, the more I enjoyed it. So I actually wondered in the back of my head, what would it be like? Cause I was working in TV full-time and I was doing the personal training part-time. 
So I wondered in the back of my head, what would it be like if I kind of reversed these? What if I did training full-time and I worked in television part-time? Fate took over because one day I walked into the TV station and my boss says, I have to talk to you. I said, okay. So go into his office, sit down. And he said, you know, we just got, uh, we just got news from upper management that we have to downsize. We have to cut, we have to cut uh, positions. So unfortunately, we're going to have to cut you down to part-time. You know, you were full-time with us, and now we have to cu cut you down to part-time. And my boss was really cut up about it. He was really upset. He said, you know, I tried everything to keep your job and have them keep you here as a full-timer, but there was nothing I could do. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, this is actually what I needed because I've entertained this idea in my head for a while. And now I'm really going to get a chance to see what this is, what this is about. And if it's, if it's going to work out how I think it might work out. So at that point dove into personal training and started training, you know, as time went on, obviously it didn't happen overnight, gained a, you know, gained a clientele at the gym and really started making inroads, but always had my eye on working with athletes that was something that from when i got into the industry of personal training i knew it was where i wanted to go in that in the field i just didn't want to kind of work in a gym all the time working with regular people i love that i enjoy that those people help pay my bills but i always wondered what it would be like to work with a more athletic population being that i you know i played university sports and i know how important that training is for an athlete's development and for their on-court performance it was something that i was always tuned into and it's funny jay because i was going through some old emails and you know we hang on to stuff for whatever reason and i was going going through some old emails like these are old emails and i remember getting in touch with a guy by the name of terry evans i didn't know this guy from a hole in the wall but tim grover who is a name that maybe most people have heard because it's michael jordan's you know his claim to fame is he trained michael jordan tim grover used to have this facility in chicago called attack athletics yeah. and you know being a basketball guy i would always check in on the site and see what was going on and he had he had his staff on the site and i'm looking at the email now and actually the guy's name is Thomas Evans and you know their emails were on the site contact so-and-so contact so-and-so so I sent this guy Thomas Evans who I knew nothing about I just saw that he worked at attack athletics and he worked with like basketball guys pro guys high level college guys and I sent him an email and you know in the email I introduced myself hi my name is Larry Hunter you know I'm a trainer in Montreal slowly making inroads in the profession i'm a former college basketball player you know i'm potentially gonna do my certification with the nsda i would really like to start working with athletes do you have any suggestions about how i could crack into the field and he sent me a really short email but the fact that he responded was a miracle in itself you know and you know his email was his response was this you know i told him i worked with amateur athletes and i did some work with kids and stuff and and his answer was you're on the right track stay involved with young athletes as well as everyday people in sports performance try working in a place that offers sports training like a health club or a place like velocity sports good luck 
And that, the date on that, like, just to let you know, that was April 28th, 2005. So we're like, that's almost 16 years ago now. That's right. pretty crazy. But just, just the fact that someone in the industry connected with me and, and said like, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're on the right track. That's what kind of kept me plugging away. You know, I'm not going to say that Thomas Evans is the guy is the reason why I'm where I am now, but just having someone who was in the field doing what they were doing and saying to me, keep doing what you're doing, work with young, work with young athletes, volunteer your time, you know, make connections with different people in, in different domains. And, you know, at some point you'll get to where you want to, you'll want to go. And that's basically what's happened over all this time I've, through the years. I've made so many kind of, weaves and turns and detours and gone this way and that way worked with athletes and sports that I never thought I would work with but gained that experience working with that athletic population and then you know fate kind of stepped in one day and I was in the right place at the right time and I met the uh, former head coach uh, at McGill Dave DeViro and I asked him the question who's your strength and conditioning person and he said to me the person that we hired just left. And I had some, I had a friend of mine that was a, a, a good friend of his. And he basically, you know, was endorsing me. And he was like, you need to hire Larry. Larry's a former university player. He understands the game and he's really good at what he does. And, you know, and coach DeViro said, yeah, you know, I don't do the hiring at McGill. There's a, there's a woman by the name of Katie Utley who's in charge of all that, I'll definitely put you in touch with her. I would like to have you on board. And, and that's how it started. You know, a lot of what I've done in this industry is being in the right place at the right time, but sometimes it's, it's putting yourself in the right place. And then timing takes care of itself, but you have to put yourself in those environments if you want to have an opportunity. You can't stay home by the phone and wait for someone to call you. You know, you have to get into those environments and connect with those people. So, you know, like through perseverance and just kind of pushing myself into through different doors or connecting with different people, I've had the opportunities that I, I have. And, you know, now I've just finished up year eight at McGill going into year nine and, you know, just totally thankful that I'm in the position that I'm in. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, I, that's I, kind I, of the long winding road that that got me where I am, you know, like it's, it's such a, it was a totally non-traditional road, like totally, but I had an idea of what I wanted to do and I didn't know how I was going to get there, but over time I just managed to piece it together and I, I would go here and go there and, you know, I would talk to this person and that person, and, you know, you know, as well as I do, you just have to persevere and keep pushing forward, right? Like, you have an idea, you have a vision, you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there. You just have to keep pushing forward. And over time, the answers kind of reveal themselves to you, you know? Yeah, a couple of things definitely stuck out is, yeah, it's, it's one of the more non-traditional roles or, or roads for sure. But like you said, you, you had that in your head, you had a vision and you started to put yourself in situations where you could grow or you could be exposed to that environment or and expose other people to the work that you were doing. And, and those, those things kind of take care of itself. Right. And then how did the kind of high school um, get connected with that? Was that through McGill? Was that kind of 
through some of the basketball skill stuff you were doing? Like how did that relationship develop? Because I think that's an area that, you know, needs to grow as far as, you know, having support, strength conditioning within high school settings. And, and how did that start for you? So the high school actually started before McGill started. I've actually been at the high school longer than I've been at McGill. And high school was kind of my first opportunity to work in my sport of choice, which was basketball, right? So the club, the, the private club that I work at, Club Sports of MAA, the big sport there is squash, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a high-end private facility and, you know, we deal with a certain segment of the population and that segment of the population likes to play squash. So the head pro at the club was he still might be but definitely was the head coach for the men's national squash team so this is someone who is you know in that war in the world of squash in canada he he's important probably one of the most important people and he's known he's known all over the world because he's been involved in the sport for so many years so because we work under the same roof you know we connected and we started talking and then one summer, he said, I've got this athlete, you know, we, we go to the track and we do these track workouts um, to help him with his fitness. And I just happened to say, hey, if he needs if he needs a running partner, if he needs someone to chase or someone to run after him, I'd be more than happy to come out to the track and run with you guys. And, you know, that turned into a relationship with him. And I started working with squash athletes, probably the last sport in the world that I thought I'd be working with. Right. But the the high school opportunity came up because I had a coworker at the gym who was working with that high school program, but he was getting ready to leave the country to go start a business in Dubai. Wow. And he knew he knew that the high school would be needing a replacement. And we played basketball and rec leagues through the city for a couple of years and we knew each other fairly well. So he's like, Larry, how about you jump in and take my place when I leave? Like, I think they would, they would love to have you and you have so much experience with teaching the game and coaching at the youth level. Like, why don't you, why don't I just give them your information and you take my spot? And I said, sure, give, give the program director my, my information. And he called and, you know, I, I've been there ever since. I started with them in 2000 and. 2012 2011 2012 and you know like having looked back and that I love that aspect of what I do because it's different from what I do at McGill you know at McGill I'm strictly a strength and conditioning guy everyone knows that I played university basketball and I have good knowledge of the game but my role with that team is strength and conditioning whereas at the high school I get to be on court and I get to actually teach the game and teach the nuances of the game and the details of the skills. And I really, I've always enjoyed that. I've always enjoyed, you know, watching skill development coaches, coach athletes in different sports. Obviously basketball is my first, my first choice because it's my, the sport I love the most, but I love seeing skills coach break down an athlete's game and go through all the details with them. So for me to have an opportunity to do that with young kids, you know, at an age where they're very impressionable and very open to learning, you know, it, it gives me a great opportunity to really explore that side of my skill set. So that actually came up. 
yeah, I was probably there a year or two before McGill started. And, you know, then, then McGill started and it's just been a, you know, now it's juggling all the balls in the air. You know, I've got right. like my private clients then I've got my high school athletes and I've got my university athletes. You know, we, I don't know too many strength coaches in Canada that kind of have that traditional role. It's not like the U S where you're the strength and conditioning coach for the men's basketball team. And that's all you do in life. You're, you're responsible for those 15 athletes and that's it. Whereas for us in Canada, you know, I've got, I've got McGill and then I've got my high school athletes and then I've got my personal training clients and it allows me to have so much diversity. You know, I can, I've had times in my career where in, in a given day, I'll see anyone from 12 to 90 years old and wow. everything in between, yeah. you know, so that it's really fun to have that diversity in your work. And, you know, maybe at, maybe at 10 AM, I'm having this conversation with a 90 year old about stuff that he did when he was younger and training him at the same time and just getting him to be better at movement patterns and just general strength so he can function and do the things that he wants to do in his everyday life. And then in the evening, I'm working with these, you know, high level university athletes and getting them to perform at a higher level and getting them stronger and working on movement deficiencies so they can perform better on the court. Like you can't get further away when it comes to, you know, life, but it's so much fun to have the opportunity to work with to work with both segments of the population. Yeah, you're definitely wearing a lot of different hats and having to be, you know, very adaptable and having a lot of things, like a lot of tools in your toolbox. Because like you said, you could be, you know, working on a very foundational movement pattern, you know, at the early part of your day. And then the late part of your day, you're, you're really trying to fine tune, you know, a more advanced, um, skill later on, or you're switching to more of a technical skill, um, you know, teaching more of a technical skill with, with the basketball skill piece uh, with the high school. And so, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, your mind is probably very tired by the end of the day, right? Just from, from the switching on and off, right? Definitely. But I think the one thing that they all have in common, whether it's the 12 year old, the, you know, the 21 year old university athlete, the 45 year old executive, you know, the 60 year old CEO or the 90 year old retiree, they all need to move well. Like I'm trying to improve movement, whether that's for high performance sport, whether that's just for life, there are more commonalities between them than one would think looking at, looking at them on the surface, you'd be like, man, they are so different, but they're not, you know, the 90 year old needs to, he still needs to be able to squat so he can bend over and tie his shoe. Whereas like, you know, the high performance athlete, he needs to squat so that he can get stronger so that when he goes up to grab a rebound, he's got the strength that he needs. So, you know, the threads are there. So that's the fun thing is that in all the stuff that I read and all the stuff that I learn. I can take most of what I learn and read and apply it to pretty much everyone I work with, but apply it in a very different way. Yeah. And we're going to kind of chat in a little bit about how you filter some of these things that you learn, like you mentioned, and, and how you place them with now the different lenses that you may need to use that information or look through that information with because of the diversity that, of the people that you work with. But 
Um, uh -huh. I'm excited to get into this rapid fire, get to know you a little bit more because some of these I don't know and I'm excited to, to learn a little <laughs> bit. Um, so just kind of first thing that popped into your, to your head, get to know you a little bit on the outside of the, of the weight room. Um, what is your favorite movie? Oh, I think the one that I would go to in a second, just because it just, it tugs at the heartstrings. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. And it's entertaining is, uh, life is beautiful. So Roberto Benigni. So this is a movie about um, during the Nazi occupation of Europe. And this is a father who basically he, him and his son and his wife have been sent to a concentration camp, but he turns the whole scenario of what's going on into a game for his son. So his son will be shielded from the reality of what is really going on. And it's such a beautiful story about what a parent will do and the lengths they will go through for their child. It's such a beautiful story, you know, like it really is one of those kind of life stories. So right. yeah, for some reason that one always comes back to me. Okay. Um, favorite book. Oh man. Favorite book. Why are you doing this to me, man? <laughs> I've read so many books. Like how, how do you pick one without doing the other ones injustice? Oh man. Well, if you got one or two, it's okay if you got one or two. Well, I mean, there, there are different books, right? There are kind of those, those books you read for entertainment. And then there are those books you read because you want to, you want to learn a lesson or, you, you know, it teaches you something. I'm looking at my, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm looking at all the books. And I think if I were to pick a book that kind of has, has been on my shelf for a long time and, and just kind of sticks there is, it's a book by a Canadian author by the name of Rowanton Mystery, and it's called A Fine Balance. And it just delves into life, different segments of India. So India is all about kind of the caste system and classes. So it deals with, it deals with that whole thing through a story. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really heavy book. It's a, it's a long read, it's like a thousand pages. <laughs> But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just one of those books. Like, like I said, it's been on my bookshelf for such a long time. And I just don't, I wouldn't get rid of it just because it had such an impact on me reading it. I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll go through it again. I mean, it is a thousand pages, but <laughs> just left an impression. Yeah, I think those are the ones where no matter how many moves you may make, you know, from house to house, that that book always seems to come with you. It doesn't kind of go in the donation pile or it doesn't kind of, you know, get left behind. Um, it always finds yeah. a way to to come with you, whether you read it or not. Again, or maybe just go back to a certain part of it. But um, I think we all have those those books that just kind of stay with us, right? Um, what about on the musical end? Um, favorite song or favorite artist? Yeah, that that one's pretty simple for me. It's always been uh, a tribe called Quest always been I don't know what it like from the minute I heard them and I remember hearing them when nobody knew who the heck they were and they were just kind of this unknown hip-hop group coming up I had a I had a cousin that performed on stage with them at a small club in Montreal and I remember he he had this vinyl disc that they gave him after the show he danced 
so and like they gave him like they gave him their his they gave him their record and i remember hearing it and it just sounded so different and i that name stuck with me and then when they started to become more mainstream i was like oh i like this sound and they came up during the era of you know the native tongues and all that and they just had this sound that was so different from everyone else and the minute i heard their sound it just it resonated with me and stuck with me and like i've loved them ever since for me it's like yeah that's that's my go-to i'll listen to them in a second nice um i know you're a you're a healthy food guy you know vegan and um so what's we've shared some some recipes um but what's your favorite food healthy food i guess um but what's your favorite healthy food you're gonna make a meal well i think i think my favorite food in general like healthy or not i mean is is indian food like i love indian food i just love all the different tastes the spices the flavors you know indian food can be as as greasy and as oily as you want or it could be as as clean or as healthy as you want right and it's it's it, the flavors are just for me they're just so enticing the smells are just so inviting and yeah i can't i can't go too long without kind of wanting that indian food fix mm -hmm. although through the pandemic man i haven't I haven't gotten a lot of it, so I, I, I definitely need to, uh, you know, I definitely need to change that. You got to get on the on the food delivery service. Yeah, Drop, exactly. I've, it by, I've right? tried to resist. Yeah, I've tried to resist. But um, do you have a favorite kind of guilty pleasure food? You know, I've seen you eat some gluten free, some some vegan nachos and some some vegan milkshakes on our trips. <laughs> <laughs> on our trips to uh to Las Vegas you know we won't get into all the things that happened on those trips but you know do you have a favorite <laughs> guilty pleasure food well I mean I think like anyone you know like I mean fast food is always good food I just think the difference with my fast food is there's no meat in it like that's really like I like a good burger you know I like fries I like pizza is there's just no meat on my pizza the cheese is the cheese is not dairy cheese you know, I, I like a good burger. I definitely like to load it up with a bunch of stuff, but the, it's just not a, it's just not a meat patty. It's like a bean patty or, right. you know, so I like the stuff that everyone else likes is there's just a spin on it because I don't consume any animals. So, but there are so many versions. There are so many good versions of it out there. That's the amazing thing is that I can't imagine poor vegans and plant-based people in like the sixties, man, when all it was, was tofu and, you know, like sprouts <laughs> and, you know, like that stuff is great. But when you look at like plant-based cuisine now, it doesn't look too different or taste too different from, you know, it's meat counterparts. Sometimes you even think, man, this isn't, this isn't made from plants. Like somebody stuck some meat in here or some chicken in here because this is tasting pretty animal. Like, that's it's evolved so much that I think it's it's come so far that it's so close to what it's you know what its predecessor was so yeah no yeah. I totally I'm totally with you there I mean we've eaten out um, do you have a, can, a Canadian city a favorite Canadian city that you've visited oh man well honestly I have not visited many cities in Canada you know, obviously from Montreal, so have explored a good portion of Montreal. Um, I do have friends, some really good friends that live in the Toronto area, so I get down to Toronto. 
I've been to the West Coast once. I had a chance to visit BC and, and you know, Vancouver and Victoria and love the West Coast vibe, you know, very laid back, very chill. And have been out because of because of basketball, have been out east to the Maritimes, just to Halifax, and really enjoy the people in the Maritimes. So friendly, so nice, so inviting, you know. So all the cities that I've visited in Canada, they're all great cities for different reasons, you know, like yeah. the small cities or the small cities, like, you know, I've been to Antigonish in Nova Scotia. And like, there's just something that's so charming about this small town where everybody knows everyone and they support their, their local sports teams. And, you know, and then you go to a big city like Toronto that feels like a Canadian version of, of New York, you know, and just has that kind of, it has that American vibe somewhat because it's hustling and bustling and it's big, but it still has that Canadian feel. And then you go, you know, you go out west of Vancouver where everyone is just so, so chill and relaxed. And they have that West Coast feel that we talk about in California and stuff, but it's got a Canadian spin on it. So I like, I like them. I like them all, all the cities that I've visited. I can't say there's one in particular. I think I end up being in Toronto a lot because of the proximity to Montreal. And, you know, I have a lot of, clo I have close friends there that I try and visit as much as I can. So Toronto ends up being the city by default that I end up seeing the most of, but I've enjoyed all the cities in, in Canada that I've visited. Is there a Canadian city you'd like to visit? It's kind of <clears throat> high up on the list. I would like to, I would like to get to see more of the Maritimes, you know, like my dad. So my background is, you know, my father is American and my mom was Canadian my dad still lives in the U.S. And, and like I'm ashamed to say that my dad has seen more of the Maritimes as an American than I have as a, you know a Canadian raised in Canada kind of ashamed of that you know and he, he tells me so much about the beauty of the Maritimes and and like I have seen a snippet of it and I would definitely like to explore more of the Maritimes you know the New Brunswick, PEI, I would love to have an opportunity to go all the way to Newfoundland and be able to see the, you know, the East Coast and, you know, see the beauty of, see the beauty of that. So, yeah, I think I would like to head out to the Maritimes and explore more of that. Is there a favorite place um, that you visited worldwide? So I know you've traveled quite a bit. Is there yeah. one I mean, that kind of stands out? I think the one that stands out because it was my first trip into the world on my own. So when I graduated from university, um, my, my goal upon graduation was to see the world. I'd never, you know, aside from coming to Canada uh, from the U.S. when I was a baby, I had never been on a plane until I was 23 years old when I graduated from university. And my first trip out in the world was to Italy. And I spent six weeks after I graduated from university, I spent six weeks in Europe, half of the time in Italy and half the time in France. And Italy just left, a, it left a lasting impression on me. Like it's, it still speaks to me. I haven't been there in over 20 years. Um, I don't want to give the exact number because I'd be, <laughs> I'd be aging myself, but it's, it's been 20 plus years since I've been to Italy and I still, you know, I still dream about it. I still search it out. Anytime something comes up about Italy, it grabs my attention. 
right away, you know, so I would, I would definitely say Italy because it was my first place out in the world and I, I want to get back to it. It just, it just calls me for some reason. I don't know what it is. It just, it just does. Is there uh you know, you kind of mentioned that, that Italy may be a, a, a dream destination to return to, but is there um, another place, kind of a dream destination, you know, money's not an object and is there a place that you'd love to see? I think, I mean, because it's so far away, I think, I, you know, I would like to probably get to Australia, New Zealand, see that part of the world. It's just so far away. It's just so different. It's so, you know, ecologically, it's so different than here. And yeah, it just seems like such a dreamy place to be because it's, it's so far away, you know? So yeah, I would say like Australia, New Zealand, that part of the world, South Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, some people say lucky, some people say unlucky, but, um, you know, in Canada, we, we get, especially, you know, in Montreal and, and where I am in, in Southwestern Ontario, we get all four seasons, right? Summer, spring, fall, winter. Um, do you have a favorite season? I'm a, I'm a summer guy. I'm a summer guy through and through, you know, I was born I've always said this. I was born in the Southern US. I was born in Atlanta. And I feel like the heat is in my blood. You know, like I love hot summer days. I enjoy them. I look forward to them. Those stick, sticky, muggy days. Like there's just something about them. Even with even training, you know, like those hot days, people don't want to train. They don't want to be outside. I want to be out in that heat. And I tolerate it really well. And, you know, like a lot of times, I'll take my athletes out, obviously being very smart and not putting anyone in at, at any risk or danger, but I get my athletes out there in that summer heat. And, you know, we're lucky enough in Montreal to have a, you know, a small mountain right in the middle of the city, you know, Mount Royal. And the amazing thing about it is you can be up on that mountain and it's only 10 minutes from downtown and you would never know that you're in the middle of the city. It just feels like such a far off place. Right. And we do a lot of our training up on the mountain and, hot days, humid days, you know, I just tell my athletes, make sure you bring your water, make sure you're well hydrated before you go. And yeah, we just get after it. And yeah, I love those hot summer days. So I'm a summer guy through and through. Okay, nice, nice. Well, yeah, definitely some things in there that uh, I didn't know. And so so that's always uh, cool to get, get to know people kind of away from, you know, what you do in your profession and in your professional environment. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot, you and I, is is when we have these educational events that we go to or, and we listen to these speakers and we take some things away, but, you know, the difficulty is using a filter or, or adding it to what you do, but not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? And not um, throwing all the things you used to do out the window, but starting to understand where these things fit. Um, can you just kind of chat a little bit about how, what your process is like when you get kind of a new piece of information that you think has some value, but, you know, how do you start to implement it into your program and, and where does it fit? And, you know, do you try it on yourself or what does that look like for you, that process of, of filtering some of the great things that, that you learn um, through the off season or through your readings or things like that? 
Well, for me, it's always been about, I'm always the guinea pig. I'm always going to try it out on myself first before I, before I give it to anyone. I'll, I'll go through the whole program for a summer or, you know, a couple of weeks or a month before I start throwing it out there. Cause I want to see what the effect of the training is going to be, you know? Um, so that's the first thing. And then the, the other thing is, I guess, because, you know, I work with basketball and I, I, I played at the university level and just remembering what it was like to go through that grind and how it beats up your body and how it just kind of beats you down and thinking about it from that perspective and, you know, thinking, how can I make my athletes more resilient so that they just don't feel like at the end of the season that they just got hit by a truck? Cause it's such a, it's not a long season per se, you know, like we maybe play before Christmas, we might play three or four games. And then the next thing, you know, within the next two months, we're playing like 12 to 14 games in about an eight, eight week period. It's like, it's, it comes at you fast. It's a long season in that we, our preseason starts in, in a nor, in normal times, our preseason was starting like August. We might play a couple of friendly games against us colleges. September is about practice and, you know, the team coming together. October we'll play in some preseason tournaments in, in Canada, just to kind of see where we stack up against the competition in Canada. And then November, the season starts, you know, so it, while it may feel like it is long, it just happens. The season itself, the Quebec league just happens so fast. And if you're not ready, it'll just, it'll just chew you up and spit you out, you know? And I, I remember going through that as a player and just feeling like my body was beat up at the end. And, you know, so I didn't have the, I didn't have the luxury of having a strength strength coach when I played. We just kind of had to figure it out on our own and we did have some guidance, but there wasn't a lot. So knowing that I'm in a position where I can help these guys, I want to try and give them the best tools that I can to help them succeed. You know, like not only, not only in terms of on-court performance, but, you know, just making sure that you, know, you, you never want to see one of your athletes get hurt. I know for me as a strength coach, when I see an athlete get hurt, the first thing I kind of asked myself was, could I have done anything different in their training to prevent that injury? So I'm always trying to look for tools or look for ideas that I feel are going to help, you know, prevent those moments. They're not in, you know, you can't prevent them all. You know, like we want to, we want to keep our athletes protected all the time, but injuries are going to happen. They are part of the game. When you start moving faster and jumping higher and getting stronger, the collisions and the falls and, you know, the stops become a little bit more violent. So, you know, the incidence of injury increases. So the thing I'm looking to see is how easily can I take that information and integrate it into my system without having to change everything that I do? Cause I think what I do is, is good and it can always get better. But like you said, you don't want to take this piece of information and all of a sudden you're changing everything that you do with your athletes. You want to, you want to add another layer to what you're doing. You don't want to, you don't want to redo the whole, you know, the whole thing. So I'm always looking for pieces that I can, that I can fit in some every once in a while you tinker with the foundation, but you know, you, it takes a long time to tinker with that stuff. And when, if I feel like I'm going to change a foundational piece, 
then that's when I kind of get in the lab and it's like, okay, let me test this on myself for this summer and see how it's going to look and see what it's going to feel like and see what the result is going to be. And then taking into consideration that I've got to repeat that with like 15 to 20 guys in the weight room at the same time. For me, that's the key thing. Can it integrate? Can it integrate smoothly? And do I have confidence that if I wasn't in the weight room with the athlete, that the athlete could do this on their own with no risk of, of injury. And I think that's, that's such a key piece. Like you said, it's, it's kind of your, especially if it's an off season, um, you know, tweak or something that's going to go within your off season, or it's a different um, periodization model that you won't, you know, you've, you've done some research on and you think maybe it's a good fit is that you're kind of looking at it in a, in a year, we're going to do it because I'm going to do it for the length of the off season first. I'm going to do it for two months or, or 12 weeks or whatever. And then next off season, we're going to put it in, or maybe just with, you know, a certain part of the team that needs um, benefit is going to get it. Um, but you've already kind of teased that out. Right. And so I think that's, super important is a lot of times we see something and we read something and we're super excited about it and we put it in right away and we get them doing it right away. And it's like, yeah, some things that works really well, but other things we want to just see what, what toll it's going to take on them. So we can, we can have those conversations. Hey, I know I've been through it. I know it's going to get tough in, in the next week, or I know we're returning to the court and we have that stress and and I understand because I play like I get that part of it. So um, I think that's super important is to just spend some time with that concept and sit with it. And that's super valuable. Um, and, you know, as well as I do, like, you know, like in, in a given conference, there are so many different topics and there are so many different things. And, you know, you can feel frustrated sometimes that you can't integrate it all. But at the end of the day, it's you know, like how important is it for what you're doing? Is it going to help elicit a better result or is it more of the same? You know, like I think if the one thing that I, I'm reassured about when I go to conferences is that a lot of the people that are presenting, they're doing a lot of the same things. Maybe they're doing them in different ways. You know, I, I think a, whether we want to admit it or not, I think part of the reason why we go to conferences is we just want to make sure that we're on the right path. We don't want to make sure that like everyone is going to the right and we're going to the left. And it's like, oh my God, am I like, am I doing this right? Like everyone seems to be going to the right, but I'm kind of going to the left. We kind of walk away feeling self-assured, like, okay, it's, they're, they're kind of, they're doing what we're doing. Maybe they have a couple more bells and whistles, but they're, they're doing what we're doing. So I, I feel a lot better with, you know, the stuff that I'm presenting to my athletes because at the end of the day, we always want to make sure that we're doing justice to the athletes and giving them kind of the best, the best that we can, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you, like you said before, right? Like that email you got early on, Hey, you're on the right path. Like, you know, a lot of times that's what we're um, looking for. That's what, what really reigns true when you leave some of these events is, Hey, I'm on the right path. Like maybe I have a little bit more now to, to add, to what I was doing in that same direction, but um, I was heading the right direction. This person's just two years ahead of me. And so now they've already paved that path, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking the right, the right steps. Right. Um, yeah. So one of my favorite movies, not my absolute favorite, but 
definitely top two or three is is um, Back to the Future. Um, yep. And so, you know, if you could take a ride in the DeLorean and, and go back to a time or a situation um, in your career that you could offer your younger self some guidance. And again, like you just said, it could be something where you went left and maybe you should have went right. Um, what would that be kind of for you? Um, I think I would go back to the period of time I'd go back to is when I was in high school. And the thing, I think the thing that I would tell younger self is, hey man, you might want to, I know that you don't particularly enjoy math and the sciences, but I would definitely encourage you to explore more of the, of the math and the sciences and, and, you know, like start to learn a little bit more about that because I didn't like math in high school because the teachers that I had just didn't, didn't teach it to me in a way that stimulated me. And then I remember when I was in 10th grade, I was playing for one of the city basketball teams that's well known through, through Montreal. And I was struggling with, with math. And, you know, they said, well, you know, we have a tutoring program. We can have someone come in and, and tutor you. And I had this tutor, his name was Richard Marcotte. He was a math teacher at another high school and he would volunteer his time and come in and work with the athletes. And this guy taught me math in a way where it was just like, oh my God, this is math. I really like it. Like I really enjoyed it. He just had this way of creating imagery and teaching it in a way that got my attention and made me want to learn more. And I thought to myself, if I had someone like this around on a regular basis, if I had had someone like this around from, you know, grade seven in high school, maybe I would have directed my attention more towards math and sciences. Whereas, you know, I was trying to get through high school, like not doing any of that stuff or getting or doing the bare minimum. And as a result, when I went to, you know, when I graduated from high school and I went to CJEP here, you know, which is the step in between high school and university, I went more towards the arts. You know, I went into a creative arts degree and that's when I learned about television production and film production and I enjoyed that stuff. I really loved it. Like I enjoyed it. I mean, I did, I was work, I worked in the television industry for 12 years. So clearly I loved it, but I think if I had gotten turned in, tuned into math and sciences earlier, maybe I would have ended up on this career path younger in my life. Cause I didn't get into the training industry until I was 30, you know? Oh, so right. it was, I was late to the game. And I think that's why I've been such a kind of, enthusiastic learner because there's part of me that always feels like I'm behind because I started late. And that's why I've never hesitated to travel across the country to go to a conference, go to a conference by myself, connect with people in different parts of the country, go visit them, go spend time at their facilities. You know, like I've always felt like I have to make up for lost time because all these kids are coming out of school and they've, they've had four years of, you know, traditional curriculum. And they, they probably know at the base of it, they probably know a lot more than me scientifically. I've got to make up for that with like my energy and enthusiasm and learn as much as I can, you know, and be a really good teacher of, of what I teach because I'm not going to be a researcher. I mean, the bottom line is I don't think I have the, the brain 
to be a researcher, I'm not that type of, my brain doesn't work in that type of way. I want to talk to the research and get them to, you know, decipher it for me so I can explain it and understand it better. But that's not where my strength is. I think my strength is in, you know, is in teaching and getting my athletes to understand what it is I want or need them to do. And, you know, I think that's where my strength lies and I try and play to that strength. So, yeah. No, I think that's, that's awesome. I think a lot of us can, can say that there was, you know, our attention was maybe somewhere that could be maybe not placed in the best way in high school, whether that was too much focus on sports or not enough focus on certain subjects. And, you know, you were really fortunate to have, you know, a tutor and a teacher that sparked that in you, um, you know, to get through a subject that maybe you don't even get through or you get through, you know, just barely getting through it if you didn't have that opportunity, right? Like who knows? on the other side where you would be if, if that wasn't offered for you, the tutoring and, and have someone who had a passion for it and was able to connect the dots for you. Right. So that's, that's a really kind of important lesson. Right. Um, yeah. I was where I needed to be at that point in my life and I am where I need to be now, you know, like it wasn't meant for me to start this career path young. It was meant for me to start it at 30 so that I could have that passion and that drive and that energy that I have now to just try and learn as much as I can and try and uncover as many stones as I can to try and, you know, like get a, gain as much knowledge as I can. Right. Right. Um, you know, we all love our job. We all just, you know, talking to you before we, we hit record as far as what your day was today in the car, driving here, driving there. And, um, you know, we love that part of it, but we all need a little bit of time to, to step back and, and to recharge the batteries and, and let our mind get away from the profession. And um, so what's your escape? If people wanted to uh, reach out to you, I can put your your contact information in the in the show notes. I know you're not a super, you know, social media guy, but we can we can put um, whatever you're comfortable with in the show notes so people can reach out. I think that's a big part of this is, is to get, um, you know, people connected with the guests as well. You know, what resets the batteries um, for you? Uh, COVID, so some of those things maybe aren't accessible, but in a normal kind of situation. No, I think regardless of COVID or not, like for me, it's it's for many years now, it's it's been yoga. Yoga has always been kind of my outlet to disconnect from from the world and from life. And because of COVID, I've now kind of integrated a meditation, a daily meditation practice into what I do, and those two things with what's going on in the world right now has just allowed me to have a little bit more balance and perspective and calmness and you know like there are a lot of i look around and the world is a pretty stressful place right now and people are pretty anxious these days but thankfully because i have something to ground me a little bit more like through my yoga and through my meditation i just feel like i feel like i have this secret weapon that's in plain sight you know like these things are accessible to everybody, but not everybody takes the time to explore this stuff, either because it doesn't resonate with them or they just feel it's not for them or, you know, like not everyone, not everyone likes yoga. You know, yoga isn't for everybody and meditation isn't for everybody. But I feel really fortunate that I have these kind of tools in my toolbox and that it's something that I can access anywhere, anytime, any place. I mean, you've seen me. I mean, 
we, we go to the conference in Vegas and like, I've got my yoga mat in my bag and we go on a road trip and I've got my yoga mat with me, you know, like, it's like, it really is a part of what I do every single day. It's not like, oh, when I'm home, I do it. But when I'm on the road, I do something else or I don't do it. Like, this is what I do every day. It's like brushing my teeth. You know, like you go every day, you brush your teeth. I, I need to do my yoga and meditate every day. So for me, that is the that is the go-to and the beauty about them is I can do them anywhere, anytime, any place that I want. So. No, I think that's, I, I have seen you kind of getting into the yoga and getting into the breathing um, either to shut down from the day or, or, uh, or to start your day. And, and yeah, it's, it's definitely, like you said, something that, you know, does, you don't need a lot of space or equipment or um, it doesn't have to be a structured class. It can, it can just be a few minutes um, to kind of recenter yourself. It's something that I um, have got into particularly um you know, through the pandemic specifically is, you know, you have a little bit more of this time to, to try to put some of these daily habits in. So when, you know, things return to the hustle and bustle, hopefully that habit is, is established now in that 10 minute, um, you know, breathing or that 10 minute yoga can, can still be there. Um, because like you said, it's, it's like brushing your teeth. This is part of, of your day. But yeah, I just, again, want to, to thank you uh, so much for coming on, expand everybody's network um, as well. So yeah, I just wanted to thank you. I, I know um, we've known each other for a few years and, um, you know, have traveled and done some conferences and all that stuff, but it was great to, to get to know you even a little bit more. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, Jay, it really is, you know, everything we do in life, whether it's our personal life, whether it's our professional life it's all about connections, you know, and I, I wouldn't be the person that I am or be where I am in life if, if it wasn't for the connections that I've made throughout my life, you know, and, and luckily just through circumstance, we've been able to connect and we've created this great relationship. And, you know, like I said, I am where I am today because people have been nice enough to allow me to connect with them. So, I mean, like if I can help anyone along their path and along their journey and a connection with me will help them going where, where they want to go. I'm all for it because without connections, you know, we really don't, we really don't get anywhere in life, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to connect with some amazing people that because of that specific connection, I know I'm where I am today because I met that person at that point in time, at that moment, and they said something or did something for me that got me going further down my path. So yeah, it's all about connection and I'm, I'm happy to connect with those that want to connect. I've always been super thankful that we've connected and the connection that we have has brought so much, so much great stuff to my life. So I mean, to be able to now do it on your podcast and connect and talk shop and talk a little bit about, you know, like who I am and, and what I do and where I've been. Like, it's, it's a great pleasure. And I feel really fortunate to, that you asked me, man. So thank you. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Have a good one.